Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. On today's episode, we're interviewing Rachel Lee. Rachel started her career as a dental nurse before becoming a practice manager and then deciding to retrain as a dental therapist. I think therapists are going to rule the world, (laughs) really. I think now's the time. I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be a therapist. So in the last 25 years, by your own admission, you've worked in about approximately 30 different locations from anything from local general dental practice to community settings to doing locums working in environments where the equipment perhaps was not ideal and again by your own admission working somewhere where there were three blunt dental instruments to high-end dental practices where equipment was absolutely cutting edge and you could have everything that you wanted if you've been happy in those two jobs then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that why do you need to change something that you're not happy with that you're happy with why would yeah. you change it yeah the only reason we change things um well maybe i'm a little flighty but you change things because you want change if you don't want change then there's nothing wrong with that that's great we're looking forward to hearing about all of these experiences from that journey with your hosts josh hudson and julia bruin so rachel we'll go back to the start so what got you into dentistry in the first place and can you tell us about those early stages in your career where you were first a dental nurse and then transitioned to becoming a practice manager? Okay, um, dentistry for me was a, a happy accident, I'll call it now. Um, I left school early and um, was working in a supermarket in a supervisory position at 17 and I really disliked it Mm. so I decided that I wanted to be a social worker that was my career choice investigated it and was told to go and get three years experience of life you can't be a a social worker until you're 21 and you've got life experience so interesting looked for a job dental nursing thought that will do took a really big pay cut to go to do the dental nursing job and thought it will fill in my experience of life and here I am (laughs) So what made you, so you were a dental nurse initially? A dental nurse first, And then yes. there was some point where you decided to be a practice manager or did that just naturally happen or how did that, that transition occur? So I was a dental nurse in a fairly big practice, but I noticed that there was a qualification you could do and no one had done it. So in my first few months, probably, I put myself onto the dental nursing course and did the, the dental nursing qualification. Um, and then the practice manager left. I was already doing a lot of the paperwork, blue forms, wages, that kind of thing. So I kind of fell into the management position Mm -hmm. by accident, (laughs) just happened. And then one of the dentists I worked with bought a practice and um, took me with him or poached me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these things happen, don't they? When they spot a good one, they say, hey, come with me. So what then, specifically made you pursue a career in dental therapy? So the new practice I was managing was quite a lot smaller. It was a startup practice. There was only the dentist, myself, a couple of dental nurses, and I was bored is the 
the honest truth. Mm. I'd gone from a really busy practice. I'd got to what I considered the top of my game. I, I had a management position and there wasn't really anywhere else to go. And I realized that um, I, missed the, I missed the surgery side. I didn't really yeah, want to be doing contact. The, the, the COSH reports as it was <laughs> then and the, the admin side wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. So hygiene, was the natural pro uh, progression. It was hygiene I was interested in. But then therapy so, sort of crept in there. So therapy happened by mistake because I, at that point, therapists couldn't work in um, general practice. I didn't even know that such a thing existed. Right. Didn't, I had no idea that there was such thing as a therapist until my application form arrived. And then there was a tick box do you want to oh, be a hygienist right, or a okay. therapist? Now, Google didn't exist, so you didn't really get to go and Google and find out what a therapist life was. Life before Google, <laughs> goodness. Life <laughs> before Google, I am that old. I know I don't look it. But um, so I looked a little bit into therapy and thought, well, it's six months more and I'm going to be able to do all of those extra things. So that to me was a no brainer. So I ticked the therapy box. Right. Okay. Thankfully. So. I'm extremely privileged as a dentist to work in a department with lots of dental therapists. I am lucky to teach dental therapists. Um, but I think there's probably a lot of people in general practice um, and also the general public that don't necessarily know what a dental therapist is. And you mentioned yourself earlier that you didn't know what a dental therapist was and you kind of ticked a box and it all worked out well. So can you just, for the listeners, just give us a little brief run through of what a dental therapist does or what they can do and what your kind of everyday practice looks like. Okay, so a dental therapist fills the gap in between a hygienist and a dentist. So we can do the whole skill set of a hygienist with additional skills um, that a dentist can do. Uh, for instance, um, fillings, restorations, um, impressions, extractions of primary teeth, examinations, x-rays. So a, a day or a day in my life would, would be a combination of all those things. Lots of routine hygiene work as well. Most patients need to see a hygienist once or twice or more a year. Um, and then um, exams, checkups, um, x-rays, routine x-rays. Um, treatment planning, um, treatment within the things that I can do and um, anything that's outside of the therapist scope of practice which is things like crowns, bridges, dentures, implants, the big stuff, root treatments which I don't want to do anyway so that's <laughs> fine, um, gets referred um, onto the dentist. Um, so that's how my day works. I just see a, a variety of different patients needing different things. And that's not always the case with dental therapists. It's not always the case that you're using that full scope. Is that right? Absolutely not. It's rare at this point to find a job where you can use your full scope. Lots of practices you utilize a therapist um, on referral. And that's indeed the way you need to work when you're working under the NHS. So the patients will see the dentist first and anything that falls within the therapist scope of practice. So of that list of things I just um, said, the dentist will then refer to the therapist and the therapist will complete the treatment treatment and then um, send back to the dentist for their next course of treatment, their next exam. And that works um, in lots of practices. So therapists can um, 
do the more simple, let's say, work, freeing up time for the dentist to do more checkup, more exams, more of the big things, more of the root treatments, the crowns, the bridges, the things that they need to be doing. So it's just using the skill set properly. So you studied here at the Eastman. I did. So you then qualified and you went out into, back into the big wide world. If you cast your mind back and you think about those early stages as being a, a therapist, if you had to describe those in three words, what three words do you think you'd use? Um, excited. Okay, that's good. Relieved that I'd made it. And there was definitely a degree of fear um, that somebody was going to tap me on the shoulder and say there'd been a mistake and I needed to give back the qualification because I didn't really know what I was doing, I felt. Okay, interesting. You want to b- build on that a little bit? <laughs> Not that I didn't. Obviously, I did know what I was doing because I went in and did it. But yeah, I think because you're so um, looked after in, yeah. in college, someone's Definitely. checking, someone's just making sure that you're doing yeah. the right thing you've got people to ask and then to go oh okay you're all right by yourself it's like well no i'm not i need so yeah it was daunting it's like passing your driving test when suddenly yeah you could drive a car on your own and you yeah, think i don't think i'm good yeah, that, you probably, yeah that probably really should have happened either <laughs> if we're honest <laughs> only really start to learn to drive when you're driving solo aren't you yeah i'm sure yeah. everybody can yeah and exactly those. the same i would say in this job yeah, yeah. except you you really do need some support before you go solo. I think it's difficult to know that you're doing the right thing, I think. Yeah, you've got that patient in the chair and there's an expectation there, isn't there, with the patient? Yes, yeah. And do you feel like you had that support? I know now there's this kind of opportunity for vocational training and having that kind of extra year of support. Did you feel supported to start off with? Do you think it's important to and, have that? Yeah, may I say that I think that is amazing that that's now happening and people can have that support because I was pretty lucky to go into a locum community job in London um, where I had a really, really good senior dental officer. So a few days a week, she was available to ask me. So for particularly the therapy side, I was yeah. eased in. That was really great. I don't know if I would be doing therapy now if that hadn't have happened. Yeah. Which sort of brings me on to my next point. You've you've clearly been around a lot of practices. You know, we said in our introduction that you've been in perhaps as many as 30 locations in 25 years. I find that particularly fascinating because I'm somebody that's only had two jobs. Um, so I went to a practice straight from qualifying and then 15 years ago I set up my own practice. So can, can you sort of tell me whether I've been, you know, not that I've been doing it wrong perhaps, but perhaps talk through your rationale for what might be considered moving around a lot and me staying very still, because I think our listeners would have some interesting points to say about both of our situations, wouldn't they? Okay, and um, I, maybe I should add 30 is probably the right number, maybe more um, with locum positions. And when I tell you that in two of my jobs, I stayed 12 years and 18 years, then you can realise that actually I moved around a lot in some yes. yeah, some yeah. places. So I would say you're- There's obviously a lot of locum jobs around. That's also- well, not Locum for the first few years. And yes. then, yeah, lots of jobs where I stayed two years, three years, there were crossovers. Obviously we work 
a day a week here and a couple of days a week yeah. here yeah. so it's not moving do you full think local time work's a good thing to do i think locum work is when a great thing to do in the beginning i think it's a great thing to do because you get to have a look you almost get to interview practices on the job because lots of the the locum positions i did i got offered a job immediately yeah um, so, and then I said, no, I'm not looking at the moment, but I'll do another four weeks with you on a Wednesday because you get to test yeah. a, a practice. So, um, yeah, mm. I think locumin's a great idea. Um, at this point, um, I don't know if I'd want to do it because I would specify I wanted a nurse and I don't know how many locum positions have a nurse. But yeah, I think it's a great, great way to have a look around and see what's out there. And I did get jobs from um, locum positions. I'm sure working in those different environments, there's different equipment, different staff, different philosophies of how thing practices are run, how dentistry is done. Um, so I know you've talked about a couple of things already there, but what experiences did you amass from all of those different situations? Oh, crikey, that's a big question. I've, yeah. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I've worked in practices that have got all kinds of different philosophies. Ones where they're a really, really close-knit team and they all work together and everybody helps each other. And ones where they barely even speak to each other and God should help you if you ask someone to go and get you a suction tip because it's not their job. I mean, and mm. I can give opinion that obviously I know which one's better. Yeah. And um, yeah. I would say, I think we missed a bit as well, because you said about you, I'd like to just go back to what you said about you being the wrong thing, being in a long practice. And maybe, can we just go back yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah. No. Because you said um, people might have something to say about you being in just two jobs and me being in 30 jobs. But I would say, if you've been happy in those two jobs, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Why do you need to change something that you're not happy with? that you're happy with why would yeah. you change it yeah the only reason we change things um or, well maybe i'm a little flighty but you change things because you want change if you don't want change then there's nothing wrong with that that's great i'm actually intending on staying in the job i'm in now till i retire that's yeah. that's my yeah. plan yeah. <laughs> and they know it <laughs> and are delighted with that well news. i hope so <laughs> they're gonna have to yeah push me out the door so were you I suppose, were you looking for something in particular when you were kind of going around or were you just looking for experience to see which one took your fancy? If you, if what, you when I was locuming? When you were, yeah, when you were locuming. I think when I was locuming, I wasn't, um, I was just filling the, the early days of being qualified and testing the water really. Mm. Um, most of my locum was in London. I did some around the areas in Kent. I wasn't going to locum particularly to look for jobs. I was really just filling the time while I decided where I was gonna be. And then now later on, you said you've ended up at a practice that you're happy and you wanna stay I'm with. at the best practice ever, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, really happy. So was those last few jobs kind of looking for that practice? No, or? I wasn't looking for this practice at all. In fact, I very nearly turned down the job because I didn't want to work any more hours God, than I was working. Like a story, doesn't yeah, it? It, it really- like one of those. Yeah, I was, at the point I found this job, I was actually only working a couple of days a week in dentistry. I'd cut right back. I was a bit disillusioned and I was happy with what I was doing elsewhere. And um, this was a maternity cover. 
And I said, I'm not interested, um, I'm busy, I don't really want any more days. And the person who'd called me about it said, I think you should just go and meet the practice, which I did. And that's five years now. And I'm just about to be full time there. So obviously we've been talking about your career and you know it, it is extensive and you've got a lot of experience. So think back to perhaps giving advice to newly qualified, therapist and hygienist for that matter. What sort of advice would you give them in this new environment that we're all working in? And I say new, because I think it is changing and has changed very rapidly in COVID times. Okay, um, I could give so much advice. Um, don't chase the money. The best paid job isn't necessarily the best job. Um, yeah, that's good. The, happiness is i know it's it's a cliche you can't buy happiness but actually you can be paid mega bucks and be very very unhappy going to work which makes you very unhappy in the rest of your life or you can be paid decently which let's face it we are our jobs yes. that we've got a very we're lucky we've got a really good job but maybe not the top money yeah. and just be happy so don't chase the money would be my first bit of advice don't take a job without a nurse would be my next one ever. It's I think that's really changed. I mean, that's, I think, if, you know, we've talked a little bit about that with other guests on this podcast. Oh, and I think it would be fair to say that that has been one of the most resounding things, in my opinion, that's come out of COVID. Absolutely what I was going to say. If COVID has done nothing else, it's just made people change. Uh, lots and lots of people were well practices us were just quite happy plodding along as we were and it's made us change and now so many people have experienced working with a nurse they're going to fight to keep them and yeah. so they should so i think you you make some interesting points about covid and working with a, a nurse there and just a little story to share is that I remember one of my patients who moved with me to my independent practice from my previous place. So I'd worked um, with this patient for the last 17 years and he came to see me in my new practice and said, ooh, what's that person doing in the corner of the room? Is that a trainee? <laughs> and uh, he said, is that one of your students? And I really was trying to think of the so many things I could say in response to that. But the first thing that came out of my head is, Actually, she'll help me resuscitate you if something happens. So she's very important. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Which might have sounded a bit sarcastic, but actually this person does a whole host of different things. But she is, that will be the most important thing that yeah. you might consider her doing for you. Exactly, yeah. Definitely. So, um, yeah. I can't even imagine working without a nurse now. I can't, I, I can't begin to tell you how much well my nurses do everything for me as well i'm really spoiled they they literally do up tidy up the destruction behind me i dictate my notes which i think for patient motivation is one of the best things that you could possibly I do a lot of people if talking you, about this yeah, my nurses about so i've got my pro forma which is obviously you can tell an eastman girl from their notes because <laughs> we all do our, our notes exactly the same i can i can tell if i'm following on but my 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 which is it's grown considerably in 20 years my pro forma but the nurses call out nothing the matter with that rachel yeah. is your Tutor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the nurses will call out the title, so the bit 
before the note and then I will dictate what I'm going to say. Well, there's nothing more motivating than saying diagnosis, uh, periodontitis unstable yeah. or gingivitis, bleeding, and sh they'll say bleeding score and uh, they'll read it back to me. So bleeding scores 15% today, last time it was 12%. The, the patients know exactly what's yeah. going on in their mouth and that we're recording it, that their bleeding scores always go down. That's really good. <laughs> it's think... really motivating. So yeah, that would be a, a big bit. Have a nurse, dictate, take your notes, let the patient hear what is being written about them. And it's a great, great motivator. If you had to think about one lesson that your role as a dental therapist has taught you that you think that every clinician should learn at some point. And I know we've kind of covered a few areas that might answer this question already, but what would that be? One thing that you've learned that you think that everybody should learn at some point? Um, I think the biggest lesson is if you're not happy with something, then you're, it's your responsibility to change it. Yeah. You can't be unhappy with your own unhappiness if you don't do something about it. So. Yeah, you've got to just need the take the confidence to change things. And if they won't change, then you need to change, which probably explains why I've worked <laughs> in so many different practices. But there you go. Well, so, so that sort of stems on to what I might have been asking you next, is that you've obviously come across lots of different people in your time. So who have influenced you? Who have been these people that have shaped you and and made you the person you are and impacted your um, career journey. Do you mean clinically? Well, not necessarily, actually, because I think, you know, I after mean, all, I, I always say to people, I'm nothing without my patients, my students, my colleagues. You know, we're nothing without all of those people. But if you can think of particular... Oh, so many people that have influenced me. I worked in West Kent Community um, Dentistry for six or seven years, had an amazing senior dental officer who was just brilliant with the patient. She could do anything. She could she could do anything. She would, would help. She was blooming scary. <laughs> <laughs> she knew her stuff. We used to call her the Oracle, but she was just inspirational absolutely inspirational she she could get any patient to do anything and mm -hmm. and and do it well so i always used to say then oh when i grow up i want to be like her um and do you think you've turned into <laughs> definitely not as good <laughs> trying oh come on <laughs> pick yourself up no i'd love to be but no she's some people are just exceptional aren't they i'm halfway there halfway. <laughs> well hey we're all life in progress aren't yeah. we People that have shaped me, there's lots, yeah, lots and lots of dentists that I've worked with who've operated an open door policy with me and allowed me to go and ask for advice and look at radiographs with them and discuss what the treatment plan might be and what's going to be the best way to approach. I've, I've had a, a number of people like that in my career, which has just been great for me. Great. Okay, and they're so the ones you need to look for. Yeah, I think that's important to hear from for dentists listening and anybody that's more experienced, just take the time to, um, you know, speak to your colleagues and give them help and guidance because as you're saying, it's a really beneficial thing and people really appreciate that. So 
Yeah, I, I, I really think it's very easy to forget those first few years. And I can't imagine that the dentists were any different from us. They didn't come out knowing everything, being able to... No one comes out of anything knowing it all. And I think it's very, very hard to forget. And it's very easy to judge other people's work, how they're doing things without guidance because they've never known any difference. So yeah, they're the practices you need to look for, the ones that are gonna just hold your hand a little bit. And I'm 20 20 years qualified in my um, therapy career and I still need that. I still need to be able to go and talk to my boss next door and say, what would you do here? What do you think? But you know, I think all of us need to do yeah, that. I think everybody, everybody, you know, I mean, I think that's the joy of things like study clubs. That's the joy of professional societies. That's that's what Absolutely, conferences. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that we all missed during COVID, wasn't it? You know, those those conversations that you have, you know, in the coffee breaks, at the lunch breaks, in the evenings, are enormously valuable. I think you know sometimes we underestimate the importance of those sorts of things. Obviously, it's always good to go there and listen to great information, read information in journals. But actually, that that whole interaction, that listening to somebody saying, actually, do you know, I've had the same problem or how have you got on with that dental material or what's gone on for you with that new electric toothbrush or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. and I think when you go to um, conferences and lectures and things, you, you see people presenting their best work in the best way possible and you just do this this and this and you've got this and in reality that isn't how it worked for them the first time or the second time or the third time indeed it probably took them 20 times to get to that point and you can feel a little inadequate when you look at your own work and think well that didn't turn out quite like that it's not exactly I don't know I'm particularly cons work I'll criticize it people will say that looks good I'll go oh no I could have done this and I could have done that there's a there's a lot of self-criticizing I have a, a wonderful patient who I've looked after for 33 years and every time he comes in to see me I think goodness if one of my colleagues had a look at this patient they'd go so you've been seeing Julia Bruin for 33 <laughs> years. Uh, so what has she been doing for you? <laughs> and I would say, you know, he's still got the same teeth. He's got this. Okay, it might not be perfect, but my goodness gracious me, you know, we're still in a in a good position there. So, or we might have only lost a couple of teeth. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, no names mentioned, of course. <laughs> well, that's real world. That's that's that is real world. Um, so similarly. Along that same line, you must have come across a whole host of different patients in that time period. Are there any particular patients that are memorable and stand out or have maybe, you know, taken your heart a little bit or maybe oh. influenced you or made you think about things differently? I I love my patients. I literally love my patients. I've, I find all of them interesting the the ones that come in to see me grumpy and not happy and don't want to be there I'm I feel proud that after a couple of years of blinding them with niceness they have to be nice back to me and and they'll they'll be friendly in the end because I'll make them but yeah there's so many inspirational patients patients that uh turn their lives around children that do amazing things that you would never imagine they could do but they just do it yeah the, uh, patients are great i love them i think yeah that's why i do it is the patients and i think that's why 
I didn't stay in community aside from the fact that it's terrible pay. Uh, the patients were great. The paperwork and the tick boxing and the amount of time wasted around not seeing patients was what drove me out. Mm. And that's the problem. We can get into the NHS problems, but there you go. Uh, that's that's why. I think because, that's for a whole other podcast. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I want to be seeing patients. And that's why I don't own my own practice either. I want to see my own, pa- I just want to see patients. Yeah. Don't want to deal with the admin cosh reports or whatever they're called these days and all the fluff that goes around. Yes, <laughs> and there's a lot of fluff, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you're saying that you didn't want to set up your own practice, which is totally fair enough. I mean, you're, you're 20 years into this dental therapy um, career what do you think dental therapy is going to look like in another 20 years I think therapists are going to rule the world <laughs> really I think now's the time I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be a therapist than right now yeah I agree like people are realizing who we are not quick and I mean we're 20 years 20 years since I sat in uh, the House of the Parliament because I was there when that decision was made that therapists could work out in general practice and still I say to patients all the time because I'm a dental therapist I say have you seen a dental therapist before and they say what's a dental therapist yeah yeah so we're we're a long way to go but and, and you were there you said I was there Wow, I was there was in like? the in the Houses of Parliament it was exciting that was really exciting times because that changed in my final year of uni, as far as I was concerned, we were going to be constricted to community to be a therapist forevermore. And that changed while we were there. And the local ID blocks, because we had to rush all those in for the last term. But yeah, that was a really exciting. So leaving uni at that time, the world was our oyster. Obviously, that isn't how it worked. It's still not 100% our oyster. It's taken 20 years to get to the point where I really think practices are actively yeah. looking for a therapist rather yeah. than going what does a therapist start do yes just send her all the kids that we don't want to see yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, along those lines if you were thinking about the dental industry as a whole is there anything that you think that we should all stop doing or anything that we should all start doing what would your what were your thoughts on that we should start educating people from birth, educating parents from birth. There's a lack of education in this country. Let's face it, de- dental health is not getting better in this country. It's getting worse mm-hmm. and that's wrong. We've got so much information. We know so much about health and the information's not getting out there. It shouldn't be that the first time I see a child at age three or three and a half that I'm telling a parent that they shouldn't be eating raisins in between meals. its That's ridiculous, yeah. but it's not out there. The yeah. information's not out there. Parents who are doing the right healthy thing for their children are not doing the right healthy thing for their teeth. Yeah. So that needs to change. We need to ed- better education right from the start. Um, including flossing. I mean, why aren't we teaching children to floss from age? I start them from age. We start our children at our practice on um, annual hygiene visits from age 12. So they're flossing from age 12. It could be argued they could do it earlier than that. I think popping out baby teeth with floss probably isn't the most motivating (laughs) thing. But but if, if we get this information out when they're young, then 
we're going to have he- healthy people. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah, there's a couple of things we should be doing. Yeah, How we do it. <laughs> Again, I think a, day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to go and lobby in Parliament to get it done. But yeah, there's a lot of things aside from the fact that dentistry needs to change, as far as government goes and country goes. It, it needs to change fundamentally from an education point of view as well. You've talked about during this podcast how lucky you feel, and and perhaps how fortunate that you feel that you are now in a practice that you really are going to be in till you stop working. Can you try and think about the advice that you might give a colleague who's in a career rut? In other words, is perhaps not in such a fortunate position as you, is is feeling troubled with with what they're doing. What, What sort of advice would you give them? Well, I've been there, clearly, lots and lots of times. Mm. Lots of times I've been not wanting to go to work, not wanting to even do dentistry at a point because I was bored and it wasn't working for me and I didn't like the situation. The only thing, the only person who can do something about that is you. There's nobody who can fix those kind of problems for you apart from you. It just takes a little bit of bravery, which is easy to say not so easy to do confidence in yourself to know that um there's better there i know there's better there there's better there for everyone and if if there's not better there then you've got to change it and find it because people treat you the way you allow yourself to be treated is what i would say and then you've got two choices you've got to stand up for yourself or you've got to walk away so if you Think back to the start of this podcast. We asked you the three words to describe those early stages right back at the start when you were a dental nurse and just starting out in dentistry. What three words would you use to describe your career now and the position that you're at now? Um, I'm happy, privileged, privileged, definitely privileged. I mean, who gets to go and do the job that they love to do every day and get paid really well for it because let's it's a good career yeah i'm privileged really privileged and content i suppose would be another one how lovely to hear those three words (laughs) that's that that really is inspiring to you know our listeners because i'm that's really what we're trying to get people to get out of this podcast but you've got maybe working 30 practices to get there well, that's the, the, you, you know, but like you say, you've done a bit of locum stuff and it hasn't always been, you know. No. And the two practices that I was there uh, for a long period of time, the 12 years and the 18 year practices were um, unfortunately, let's say, uh, both bought by the same person. So I started both of those pro- practices with two different bosses. And when I left, so they were both under the same boss. So when you're not happy in one the other one's going to go as well Mm. so that was an unfortunate situation let's say but but it moved me in a direction that I've now now I'm in a position where I'm yeah really happy I think everybody in dentistry has got a happy accident yeah everything for a reason I think we've got we've got all sorts of stories we can share with definitely everything for a reason Sometimes it's hard to see what the reason is and, and leaving a practice under a shadow is not a pleasant experience. There's a lot of self-questioning and... Well, it's also a small world out there, isn't it? One gets a bit nervous about doing these things. Yeah. Yeah. But you're proof that there's 
that endpoint. And if there is a, you know, a, a let's low, hope so. Then there's there's a there's a high <laughs> yeah, to come, definitely. and I think it's important that our listeners remember that as well. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking yeah. to you. Thank you really so great. much for thank you for your contribution. Us. Okay. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. Mm-hmm.